Anyhow, you yeah, want to introduce? I'm going to do Parenting Hacks Part 2. Um, and this is a little bit like early Father's Day message. Actually, next Sunday's Father's Day, in case you didn't know. And um, our oldest daughter, Natalie, and her new husband, Jabet, who are missionaries in Thailand, they're here in the States now, um, in Atlanta, at a conference. They're going to be here next Sunday, and they're going to be sharing with us. And that will be a, uh, always good. Always good when um, Natalie brings a word and challenges us. This is all a good challenge, her parents included. But anyway, um, so this is going to be a little bit early. What we're going to do is, Dave had some notes together, but I said, why don't I just interview you and ask you some questions? Huh. So I'm going to ask him some questions. Like I'm the expert or something. <laughs> but, but actually, I want to say that one of the best yeah, fathers I've ever met, and I think that he will be able to share some. Okay, we're all supposed to say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure, but this better be really good. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> um, but to, what we have really to recommend us is that I can say we have four children, and we have one grandchild, and we have one on the way, and hopefully more on the way, but uh, what I can say to recommend us as parents is that all of our kids like to be with us. I mean, not 24-7, but they, they <laughs> like to come home. They like to hang out with us, or at least it seems like that. Either that or they just like to eat my food. One, one or the other. But they, we like being together. Um, they like being with their siblings. We have three girls and a boy. And now we have in-laws. Three of them are married. And they like to hang out. We plan stuff together, and we just have fun. And that didn't come easily. There were times when they were younger that, uh, when they were teens especially, we had four, Screaming, four fighting, small home, little bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> That's the picture. Right. So we had three that were teenagers at the same time. And then um, sometimes I would go to Dave and just say, hug me, tell me you love me, because all the kids hate me right now. <laughs> and he would do the same thing to me, you know. There was one day that she just disappeared. We didn't know where she went. And I'm asking the kids, where's your mother? Said, we don't know. We're, we're, we're concerned because it's almost dinner time. <laughs> so I went looking for her. She's out on the trampoline. And she says, I quit. <laughs> I said, you can't quit. You can't quit. Come back in here. We got to eat. I was mad. I was like, come on, see what you've done, kids. <laughs> now we don't get to eat. <laughs> yeah, you came out to the gym and goes, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I have all this thing to make. <laughs> I did. All right. Okay, so you have a fill-in um, in your bulletin, and we hopefully will get to most of those. All right. So parenting hacks that simplify your parenting efforts. We're not going to say it makes it So, um, I'm going to ask you, Dave, what were some of the mistakes that we 
Well, this first one is really easy to do, and it's something that I fell into quite a bit, was you have such a short-term view. You know, you're just thinking, well, if I can make this kid into a high-achieving high schooler, then I've done my job. But I think God wants us to take a longer view. I would rather, have, if I could go back and do some of it again, have a longer view and say, you know, I just, I want that. And I think I did at times, but I, I just want them to grow up when they're 30, loving God, you know, just have a longer view. Because a lot of times we think that the greatest thing is to be valedictorian or, or a star athlete and all those things. And all those things just go away. And I'd, I'd like to ask you, how many have asked you what your GPA was? In, and you're saying, well, thank God, nobody has, you know. But, but uh, just forget about those things. And it's all for a very short period of time uh, when we should be having a longer view that I want character. I don't, uh, human potential is, is very important and I think those things have their place. I think you learn a lot of discipline when you do have goals and I'm, I'm all for goals. Uh, but I think also we need to balance that with the fact that someday this child is gonna be a grown up and I want them to love God. That's the major thing I want and to them to want to serve him and, and to obey him. And some kids are late bloomers. Yeah. Um, you, you really don't see their potential come out for a long time, and so you don't want to get disappointed because they're not superstar, like your friend's kid, you know, going through school or whatever, yeah. or preschool. I don't know. They start really early now with <laughs> measuring and stuff like that. Jesus said in Mark 8, 36, Six, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? We really want to focus on what's most important. Now, we had um, a couple of strong-willed children at our home. We're going to try not to mention any names, so they cannot be identified. Uh, so let's talk about... You know, None of them are here today, yeah, so... Yeah, nobody's here. It's really good. Uh, some of the challenges of a strong-willed child, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit because I'm strong-willed. So my oldest one, um, she is two to a point, but she will conform because she doesn't like to get in trouble. So she'll, I could, I could work on her that way, you know. I could help her. I was helping her, you know, to tame her strong will to go the way that I wanted it to go. But another of our children, um, that did not work, and I kept trying to make that work. And she and I were just like this. She was totally un. In Intimidated. intimidated. Not, not intimidated. intimidated. Yeah. And so, and I wasn't going to back down. It was going to be my way or the highway. You know, that's the way I felt about it. And that was really a mistake that I wish that I could go back and change because it caused a lot of hurt feelings between us. It caused a breakdown in communication. And so, when you're doing something and it's not working, back off and <laughs> try something else. But I was just, that was my strong will. I was just determined that she was going to conform to what I wanted her to do. You know, praise God, our relationship has been repaired, but it was something unnecessary that, you know, just going at it like this, it, it just wasn't helpful. And I was just so determined that I felt like she was being disrespectful, and it really wasn't. It was her asserting her own will. That's the way God made her. It just needed to be formed. And I needed to ask God more for wisdom about what to do in that situation and kind of back off from my natural personality and see how I can help her 
achieve what she wanted to achieve and still, you know, be obedient in our home. Well, this, this is, brings us to parenting hack number one, which is really important. Keep in mind, sometimes the things that we dislike in our child are the very things that we admire in adults. And so that thing that's bothering you really badly as a child, that could be the characteristic that causes them to excel, um, like discipline, um, determination. A strong-willed child is almost always full of determination. They already have it figured out what they want before you do. And they're not backing off like Diane shared. Um, and that can be a great trait when they're adults. Um, decisiveness. You know, leadership. It's just, that's what God made them to be. And, and when you come against that, then you're just asking for trouble. If you can come up under them and encourage them and Explain to them, take the time to explain to them why being this determined on this situation will hurt uh, and just try to show them what's ahead, help them think ahead a little bit. But God's wisdom is what's really important. God promises to give us wisdom if we'll ask for it, and so let's ask for it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about um, parents. Sometimes we can be hypocrites. I hate to say that, but sometimes we can. Do something, and we're telling our kids something else, or anybody really in authority. This goes for them, and that's really a danger. It is dangerous. Um, nobody's perfect at any of this, and so there's going to be times that you're going to be hypocritical. That's just life. Um, but once you recognize that you're being hypocritical, just explain that to to the child, you know, and say, you know, you're right. I'm not doing what I said. I need you to do. Boy, kids will. They can fast. smell it a mile away, can't they? They, do that. Yeah. they are built by God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, so in take, or take, you were telling me about a story that you worked with another pastor. Yeah, I was taking a trip with uh, another pastor, and and we were having a good time laughing and, and uh, sharing some things, just having a great time. We didn't realize that he was driving. I didn't realize he was speeding, and sure enough, the lights come up behind us, and he, his whole, is like Jekyll and Hyde, man, I mean, he just switched, he just turned, and he went from this jovial pastor to, all of a sudden, this, went into this tirade of expletives, and just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I'm thinking, hmm, and he just didn't quit until the officer got to our window and and he changed again and then when the officer left he changed again and I'm thinking hmm and I have a bad habit of making mental notes but I made a mental note and I said I'm just going to watch his kids see what happens and you know they all were good kids but they had trouble with authority they had major trouble with authority and guys, that's one of our jobs as parents is to get our kids ready for authority. And they have to learn when authority is not always fair or right, right? And if we go rescue them at those times and kind of getting ahead of myself, but, you know, it's so important that we model our respect for authority. And I've seen this over and over with coaching with, and, and talk a little bit about Coach Miller 
today because he's gone too. He's, he's coaching. But why you shouldn't church? Yeah, you missed church. We're going to talk about you. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but anyhow, that we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. So parenting hack number two is I should live as an as an adult as I want my kids to live as adults. Think about that one. That was, God gives us a tough challenge, doesn't He? He will help us do it too. Galatians and there's been times. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, there's been times when, uh, especially Natalie, would say, you know, when I'd want her to do something, well, you don't do that, Dad. You're right. <laughs> and it's like, I hate it when she says that. And so your parenting's got to grow as they grow. Exactly. Yeah. I hated when my parents said when I was a kid, don't do it, Isaac. Don't do Yeah, I think the truth that we're trying to focus on is that you, you pretty much get what you are. And you've got to be really careful about what you say, what you, uh, how you act, um, what you watch. Um, serious. Because here's what happens. The kid will accept your values that are unspoken usually. They'll get that. There's no secrets. They, they figure it out pretty fast by the time they're three. You know, they got you figured out. And the things that are important to you, they'll, they'll be important to, uh, to them eventually. The thing is, if it's good or bad, the thing is, they'll take it further. Because their boundaries won't be your boundaries. So if you're watching stuff that you ought not be watching, uh, this is a church of grace, okay? You understand me? Um, but if you're doing stuff that you ought not be doing, listen to the Holy Spirit. Be led by Him. And it says run from that stuff. Okay? There's a lot of stuff on television now that, gosh, if I was a full-blooded 18 male and I had that, gosh, I mean, it's just tough. But I'm not going to give excuses by role modeling that kind of junk in my home, right? So you just, you have to make those decisions. I'm not telling you what to do. You make those decisions and listen to the Lord and walk away from that stuff. Those kids will catch everything that you do. They'll see it. They'll find it on your computer. They'll find it on your television screen. They'll find it in your channels. They'll, they'll find it on your social networking. And then they'll push it further a lot of times. So think hard every time you're tempted because we live in a world of temptation full of evil. And every time you're tempted, think about, is this what I want propagated in my children or my grandchildren? And that should be sobering to us. Say, like, well, you know, it's just not worth it. That doesn't include Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, I'm really excited about this movie coming out. I got in trouble because I had the kids when they were about five. Yeah. 
And I'm eating popcorn. Those kids were like getting. I had some boundary work to do. <coughs> I want us to go back and talk about um, why it's so important for kids to learn respect for authority. Okay. Because we don't see it very much in our society, you know, and uh, it's hard on parents even. You bet it is. Our lips. When we don't like what we see in the government or on the basketball court or the football field or whatever, it's really hard for us to keep our mouths quiet. But yeah, those kid, children are listening constantly and they're learning exactly how to treat authority by watching us. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What do you, what do you want to talk about? Mm. I, again, I just think it's real important that we model what we want to see. Well, why don't you tell the story about you and Drew? I didn't want to tell that story. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. Well, it, uh, I I love sports, and I trained Drew. I, he's my only shot at it. Well, really, I had Tori too. The first two weren't interested in sports at all, and so Tori didn't have any choice, and Drew Drew didn't have any choice, and. Um, but with Drew, I, I kind of knew how to train him a little bit. The girls cry all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as good with her, but she was real. She didn't cry, but it, it, anyhow, get yeah, get off that. I'm glad she's not here today. Um, but Drew, it was so much fun with him with football. I got hurt when I was in seventh grade. And have uh, right today, I have four pins in each of my hips, so I couldn't play football anymore. And so I kind of lived through him what I wanted to do. Uh, it was, it's, it's still hard for me to watch football. I love football. I love football more than basketball. And it's, but I had to go all basketball at that time. Um, but with Drew, when he was a little kid, I started throwing a little Nerf ball to him. And you know how you do. And he got to where he could really catch. He's got big hands like me. And, and he could catch like crazy. Um, and I would practice with him in the yard. I'd throw him at his ankles over and over and over again. He could snag him. Uh, and I knew what he could do. And in junior high, he did really good. He had a touchdown catch almost every game. He got into high school, and they had a tremendous team. Uh, I think overall, their, their, one of their junior year, I think that they were like the fourth best team ever in our history. Uh, they were so good. But it was a running game, and they wouldn't mix it up, uh, and that was so aggravating to me. So I remember his junior year, I slipped as a parent on the way home, and I said, in our conversation, I said, do you think they'll ever throw to you? And Drew got real silent, and we got home, and he still hadn't said anything, and Finally, he looks at me and he said, Dad? I said, yeah. I thought he was going to say something good. And he had more character than I did. And he said, Dad, you know what you said about them throwing to me? Uh-huh. 
I was ready for something good, you know. He said, I don't need that. I really don't need that. I'm doing what my coach is telling me to do, and it's helping the team. I was like, oh, shoot. I quit. I'm not going to be a dad anymore, you know. That was so humbling, and I didn't have a word to say. And then later that evening, I said, thanks for telling Dad that. Because Dad needed to hear that. Don't make me tell any more of these. Okay. <laughs> so authority is not always going to be fair. Authority is not always uh, going to feel good. But here's number thing: don't rescue your child when you find your she finds authority unfair or painful. Now there are exceptions. If the child is in danger or going to be harmed in some physical way, you know, we're not talking just a blanket authority, all authority can do whatever they want, of course, okay, but most of the time we're trying to rescue our kids from the unfairness that's in the world, they need to learn the world is not fair, and how do you deal with that, how do you process that with God, how do we help them with that, but to teach them to rant and rage about authority in their lives, is really going to hurt your kids. And that's what we see in our society at large. That's a tough one, guys. That one will help your kids almost more than anything else because the way they respond to authority is the way they're going to respond to God. He's the ultimate authority. Amen. And we're all under authority. Every single one of us. We're always under authority. And we always will be. And so if you don't help your children to learn this properly, then... They're going to struggle throughout their lives. So don't badmouth their teachers. Don't badmouth their coaches. Help them to pray for them. Help them to respond the right way. Help them to submit themselves to authority. Okay? Not in an unbalanced way, but in, in a healthy way. Uh, here's a, the flip side of that, though. There's also times where... The authority may be wrong or injurious, and I'm not talking. We're not talking about that. I know that Tori had a coach not here uh, when she went to college. She had a coach that, that Tori is not a complainer. She is not a whiner. Uh, she's extremely coachable, and I watched her all through her childhood. I'm not saying that's just because she's my daughter. I just I know athletes, and I know she was not that type. She would never complain or anything like that. Uh, I saw Coach Swafford blow a, a, his vessel in his head so big one night because <laughs> he wasn't getting the offense, and she just took it, you know. And, you know, if you guys know Coach Swafford, he can yell. And uh, I was just laughing. I was like, oh, Coach, don't blow your vessel there, you know. Um, but she got to college, and there was a coach that she had up there, and, and she came back and she said, Dad, I'm, I'm just struggling. I said, well, why? You know, it, is it because the older girls are better or, or, or what? And she said, no, I'm just struggling the way coach handles it. not just me, all of us. And I just, I, again, I just took a mental note and tried to keep my eye on it. And when I would get a chance to talk to her, I said, well, what's going on now? I said, this gets getting worse. And a few weeks into that, into the season, managed to get up there for a game. And I, I actually, before I did that, I said, it, it can't be that bad, is it? 
and she said, it's bad. Um, and so I got to the game, and I saw it. I saw it in the game. And we had a little heart-to-heart talk afterwards, and I just said, just finish out the semester of the year, you ch- your choice, and then make another decision. But you don't have to keep putting up with that. And so there might be those situations where it's not disrespectful. It's full of respect. But, you know, our, our role models are, are Jesus, of course. How he handled, you know, he's about ready to get butchered. And he was respectful to Pilate. Right? You see Daniel, he's a great example of a situation where he's in a hostile environment. He had every reason to be critical of those that were in authority over him. And he was, there was times where he had to resist. He didn't eat their food. He said, but he was always respectful. Always respectful. Respect is huge to God. Because God is our authority. And we have to learn sometimes in the most unfair situations. And if you are the helicopter, helicopter parent, and you come in and rescue that child or grandchild all the time, you are doing a disservice to that child. Because they'll never learn how to deal with unfairness. Or it will take them a lot longer to learn how to do that. So these are, you know, you younger guys with younger parents, you think, well, I'll never have that problem. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It's a challenge. So stay humble. Huh? Go ahead. Well, I thought I'll never be one of those young parents in the stands, you know? And then your kids are out there playing in the field or on the court or whatever. Who's yelling and screaming? Yeah, you know, you just, what's wrong with you? You rough, can you see? You know, you just, <laughs> and I'm you like, just lose it. Just pull her down. <laughs> <laughs> so God has to teach us. But the act that goes with that is let them figure it out. Don't always come in and rescue kids, especially when they get older. They can, they can figure it out. Um, you're, you said that when you were in junior No, it, 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 was, it was my sophomore year in high school. Okay. And, and when I think about helicopter parenting, I think about my dad and I think that would have never, I just laugh when I think about my dad rescuing me about, from anything. I would die first, probably. And I probably would have died if it weren't for my mom, you know. know. And I can remember as a sophomore, I was, you know, starting to play basketball. And and, uh, I came home one day after practice, and Dad was still eating, and I ate with him. And I said, Dad, I'm the youngest, so all the other siblings are gone. It's just me and him. And and mom and she left and which is probably good because she would have taken my side which would not have been good and I said dad it's so I remember so <laughs> I was a complainer and a whiner and I said it's so hard those upperclassmen are so good and they're so much bigger and stronger can't we move to a smaller town where I can be a star <laughs> that's, that's what I said and Dad, you know what he said? He said, why don't you just learn how to be a star where you are? We're not moving. <laughs> you know, the way my dad handled me, he never rescued me. And I learned how to handle difficult situations 
with his oversight. I could always go to him. And it, that really helped me to grow. I attribute any ability that I've garnered over the years about with, you know, with going through hard times and difficult times to him because he never rescued me. If you rescue your child, you're going to do them. It's like that chicken coming out of the egg. You've got to let them peck away. If you rescue them, break the egg, they'll die. And dad never let me. He just never rescued me. I, I, I want to continue this a little bit further because the next generation. So Drew excels in football where his dad can tell him nothing because I never learned this sport because I never got to play it after seventh grade. And so I just had to learn from him. And he loved teaching me about football. I know some, but, you know, I don't know all the inside stuff and the inside blocks with, that he knew. And so he just loved coming. He would come to home before he went out with his friends just playing football, that game to me. You know, it was so much fun. Well, as you know, football season can overlap with basketball. And they were so good, they were playing into late November. And basketball's already started. And so he went from football, where you're all bulked up and movements are completely different, and then you get into basketball, and he's behind. And so Coach Miller has a heart-to-heart talk with him in his junior year. And he said, you know, he, he just tells him, he said, Drew, you're not, you're not performing like you can do. And he told, <laughs> Coach Miller told me later, he said, I, I threatened to cut him. He said, I had I said, well, he may have deserved that. I wasn't those, that kind of person. You know, I'm, I learned from Dad to just let him live it out. Figure it out. And so Drew came to me after a hard practice, after that hard talk with Coach. And I remember we were in the blue room and we were talking. He said, Dad, I need, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. So he told me what the conversation was like with Coach Miller. And, and uh and he said, Dad, I know you've been there. I know you had to come back from your injuries. Uh, what should I do? And I looked him straight in the eye and I just told him, I said, Drew, I'm going to answer your question with a question of my own. What are you going to do about it? And he dropped his head. And you know, a few seconds can seem like hours when nobody's saying anything. Well, I'll never forget that day because that's the day that my boy became a man. And he, after, I don't know, maybe a minute, he looks up and he stands up. Now, my boy, was, he was a really cute kid. He's become this hairy beast, you know. And I wasn't sure I could take him anymore, you know. And, uh, and he stands up and he's looking me straight in the eye. I'm not sure if he's going to take a swing at me or what. And I really, I, I, you just never know. And, and I'm kind of bracing myself, and he just wraps his arms around me. He said, Dad, thank you. He said, that's what I needed to hear. And I watched him from a distance, and never got involved. But from a distance, I watched him figure it out. And he couldn't, he could never shoot. I mean, in basketball, he did a terrible shot. And in basketball, you need to be able to shoot, you know. And he would miss layup after layup and all this kind of thing. But I watched him. He figured out how to make a contribution to the team. 
he could play defense like nobody's business. And he took on, you remember it, he took on kids that, one from Springfield Parkview, who was, we called him the giant. He, he, Drew gave up probably four to six inches and 50 pounds to that kid, and he just tore him up. I'm sorry, I just want to say that. <laughs> but he figured it out, and it wasn't me solving the issue. I didn't know, really. Even though I know basketball, I didn't know what he needed to do. But he figured it out. And those kids, you, don't shortchange them. They can figure out a lot. Just love them and encourage them. They're, they'll be okay. And we, if you set the bar high with support kids, that's what they need. So you have high expectations, but then you're right there to support them and encourage them and say, I believe in you. I believe you can do this. I believe you can figure this out. So, real quick, we're going to do... Can you, uh, one more point on that. Oh. I just wanted to bring this up. Is it, any of you who have been walking with Christ for, oh, say, five years or more, could you say that God ever took you out of a situation that was hard or difficult? I, I know He helps us in them, but I can't think of one that He's taken me out of. He's given me wisdom and help in them. And he's the best parent. Now, there are situations you need to be delivered from. But I'm not talking about those either. I'm just talking about those things that are tough, unfair. Uh, there's a lot of that. Okay. Hack uh, number five. Build a life outside the life of your kids. Why is it tempting let the kids be the center of our universe? What can we do about that? Why don't you talk about this one a little bit? Well, you had the correct, I think you had the correct balance. You, you were involved in their lives, but you had enough dignity not to just, every whim they weren't, you weren't going to every whim that they had. You know, you would listen. I, I had always admired your, your parenting skill with that. Um, you want to talk about how you did that? Well, I knew that they wouldn't be there forever. And I knew that you don't want to develop narcissism in your kids either to make them think that the universe does revolve around them because it doesn't. Um, and it's really easy to get that way in our society. That, that we have to, every, you know, every little thing that they want or that they see or we feel like they're disadvantaged because they don't have the same toys or the same things that everybody else has or the same experiences. Um, and it's really easy to feel bad as a parent that you're not doing all that stuff for them. Uh, but they're going to be gone someday. You better work on your marriage with your spouse or if you're a single person, work on you know, some other things in your life that you're going to be able to have after they're gone because the worst thing you can do is just be hanging on when your kids need to be adults and need to have their own lives. And yeah, you want to have a relationship with them, but it's going to be different than it has been before. And so it's really important that you when uh, the kids left home and we were empty nesters, Dave looked at me and he said, hey, we need to do some work because we're kind of growing apart because the, we would spend time in the car together going to their events. And so we went to a marriage conference, you know, and we did things together. And we just had to start developing our relationship even in a deeper way and not just talking about the kids. The number one thing that you can do as a couple if you're married is to love each other for your kids. I mean, your kids, look, they figure everything out so fast. And 
And they, they need that. They, know, they need to know that you have a life apart from them. They need to know where they came from <laughs> by your love for your spouse. Amen. Thank you. I didn't know if anybody was going to get that. <laughs> love each other. And they... Oh, that's where we came from. Okay. Yeah. Um, one other thing on that, though, if I could go back up. For singles um, that have children, here's a, a, a tough thing that you're going to have to be really careful about, is don't badmouth, trash talk your spouse, your ex-spouse, in front of your kids. If you need to go yell, <laughs> go yell, you know, but don't do that in front of them. Because the kids have this ability, whether you're married or single or have exes that you're dealing with, they have an ability, and I don't know that it's God-given, but it's there, that they can get in between. I think they're called to test that relationship. You know, they try to play one off the other. They're, that's just what they're doing, because they're trying to get what their needs are, and they want it, their desires. So... Um, if you have, as marrieds, if you have a united front, and whatever that takes to get there, because I've known, I, we have situations in, where our kids would play one off the other, and then I said, wait, <laughs> I need to go talk to her, and she would do the same, and we would, and even when they were grown, I remember one of them said, not too long ago, he said, why did you always go in the back room with mom? I said, because we weren't sure what we were going to do. We had to talk it out. And you mean with all the stuff that we wanted? Yeah. And so when we got a united front, then we would come out and we would be in agreement. And that helped a lot. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. Our agreement is so important to husband and wife. And that gives stability to the kids that they feel that. Even though they're, they're fussing about it and they're trying to divide you, they really don't want to be able to divide And going back to that ex... They'll figure it out. If you treat them right and you love them, they'll figure it out. Um, number six. Understand their world, not criticize it. And this is when you're getting into older teens. Um, pick your battles very carefully. Theology has this wonderful, beautiful word. It's called incarnate or incarnate, or incarnated. I just love this word. And what it means is that God wasn't in heaven and sees our condition and requires us to come up and meet His conditions. He's not saying, you come up here on my level and be holy, perfect, and all this. He just doesn't do that. What He did, even though He has that standard, He incarnated. And He became one of us. And so He didn't require us to come up to His level. He came down to our level and became a human. And went through all the pains and the sacrifices and all of that. And experienced our pains and sacrifices and everything that we experience. He experienced that as a human being, as a person. He incarnated. And by doing that, He brought us up to His level. 
So with our kids, we can parent the same way. We can incarnate ourselves. We can get involved with them. We can be interested in their world. And we can get into the world, listen, not to criticize it. I've seen this where people get, parents will get involved in their kids' lives and then they, they get in there and they start criticizing. And we all know that the 70s rock bands were the best, right? right? Our kids don't need to hear that, right? Point well taken. <laughs> I mean, we, once we criticize their music, we criticize, pretty soon they're going to shut us off. I learned this from my mom. She was so good about incarnating. And she would get interested in my life. And I knew some, I would even test her some stuff. He, uh, Mark will know this, Nazareth, hair of the dog. You know, that was pretty vulgar. And uh, I said, what do you think about this, mom? She said, why do you like that? <laughs> you know, she didn't criticize. She just, why do you like that? And it's like, wow, I'm learning, you know. Give Alexa a hand. She stepped in the... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alexa. I always call you Alexa. I didn't mean that. Sorry. But she stepped in there when we needed help today. So she's been... Could you, Lexi, put uh, John 1 up? And look at this. I just... I love that word incarnate. And I love this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Wow. That's God coming in the humanness for our humanness. That's how much He loves us. And we as parents, custodians, whatever we are, teachers, coaches, we can be incarnate bringing love to kids in our lives. Such a privilege and honor. And you know God loves kids. And the disciples really didn't get this. And they said, they just move Jesus said, no, bring them. I love kids. Pray? Yeah, let's pray. Let's go ahead and stand. Thanks for listening to all our stories. Yeah. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and Oh, there's a world of pain in parenting. There's a world of confusion. There's a world of challenge. There's a, a world of uncertainty. From the time that they're born, just I know my son is going through this right now with his wife being pregnant, and and 
I know that he asked me that, Dad, you got any good books on parenting? You know, I know he's going to be fine because he has a heart for this baby. If that started with you having a heart for us, thank you for coming to us in that baby in Bethlehem who grew up to teach us to the greatest things that we could ever understand about life were uttered from that man's lips and he told us how to live and he showed us you father and he said those words that if you've seen me you've seen the father he incarnated for us Thank you, Father, for sending him. Jesus, directly to you, thank you for coming. Thank you for becoming flesh for us. So so much of this truth and so much of what is righteousness goes way above us and we don't grab it. But you lived it in front of us. And now, by looking at your life and looking at what you taught, our lives are touched and changed and transformed because of you. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us as parents, as fathers, as mothers, as stepmothers, or or whatever our role is as coaches and teachers and whatever, where we can influence a child. Let us be that incarnation to them. Let us bring truth in love. Show care. God, if it's a child that we're having trouble with, pray, God, that you would help that child understand. Let your wisdom fall from heaven right now as we pray together in agreement. That wisdom will just disseminate into their hearts. And God, help us to not criticize, but try to understand their feelings and try to understand what they're dealing with. Not to rescue them when it's not necessary, but to guide, direct, and cultivate wisdom and cultivate strength in each of these children. And I also pray for this church. God, we gather together every weekend, and we got kids among us. And they ought to be high priorities in our lives, in the life of this church. It should always be that way. And I pray that you would give us as a group of people, a group of your people that are following you, give us wisdom to know how to cultivate godliness in these kids and how to minister love and care to them in appropriate ways and in powerful ways. That they'll never know that that's a sin and that they'll know the righteousness of God that's found in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for equipping us as a body. In Jesus' name.